the Lord's Supper, bread and wine. As we just read there, the Lord's Supper was initiated at the time of the, the Jewish festival of Passover. And the Passover meal had to be eaten in Jerusalem. So non-residents like Jesus had to find the place to have the meal. Jesus and the disciples were living outside Jerusalem, presumably and probably in Bethany. They may have gone there because it would be safer, because things were difficult for Jesus if he had been staying in Jerusalem. And the Passover meal was held in the evening, and it finished just before midnight. But one of the features of the Passover meal that it was never eaten without explanation. It was never self-explanatory. It was never whatever you decide to make it. The head of the family told the story of the Exodus, which the Passover was a commemoration of. And he read specific portions of scripture. The Passover was full of symbolism. Here are some of the symbols that were there. There was the lamb. And the people there would remember the story of the Exodus and how the lamb was slain and the, the blood was put on the doorposts to show that the people in there had faith in God and that their children would not uh, come under the, the influence of the, the angel of death that was passing through. They had bitter herbs that reminded them of their slavery. They were in slavery in Egypt. They had unleavened bread and it was unleavened because it was an indication that to do things in a hurry, in haste, they had no time for the, the dough to work, the yeast to work in the dough to make it rise. And yeast also became a, known as a symbol of sin that permeated everything. There was a paste that they ate that reminded them of the clay that they had to make bricks in Egypt. There was salt water there that reminded them they, had, they went through the Red Sea. There was red wine. There was four cups of red wine which were associated with the promises that God gave them as they left Egypt. So it was all these symbols associated with the Passover. Um, I just read them to you without explanation there, really. But the meal was originally also eaten standing up, ready to move, ready to go out as God called them out of Egypt. But now they were allowed to recline. They were free and at rest. And this feast mattered to all Jews. It still does. They were told to remember what God had done for them. And they were told to pass it on from generation to generation. They were told, tell it to your children. And one of the uh, traditions that happened and still happens in a house, a Jewish house, when they have a Passover meal, is that the youngest child is prompted to say, what do these things mean? And then that gives the opportunity for the householder to explain the meaning. But Jesus reinterpreted the Passover and its symbols. Like the Passover, Jesus too does not pass around the bread and the wine in silence, 
but with an explanation. This time the meaning has changed and the explanation is different. It's no longer remember the Exodus, it's remember me. Not the deliverance from Egypt, from slavery, but his death and resurrection that is about to come. That will be the great redemptive act for all people, for all ages and all time and all places. And so Jesus takes the, as it were, the subsidiary elements of the Passover meal and makes them central. There's no mention of the Passover lamb. The lamb is no longer required. The true Passover lamb is sitting with them. He's going to be the one who is going to be sacrificed. Jesus takes the ordinary, inexpensive items and gives them symbolic meaning. In a way, he's symbolically acting his own death. He takes the bread, a loaf of bread that represents his body. He was sharing his person with them. He said, this is myself. I'm sharing myself with you. Now we can have a close union. We have communion with each other. The wine that was poured out, representing his blood, signifying the violent death that was about to come upon him, and that his life was given for all of us. So the bread becomes a symbol of his body given for them, and the cup becomes a symbol of the the new covenant, he calls it, and a new agreement between God and man. And Jesus is now forming a new covenant community, comprising not just of one nation, but a people from every nation and every people group under heaven. There was an old covenant based on the law and keeping the law, and it was continually broken. In the Old Testament, God initiated a a system of sacrifices to remind the people that sin was serious and had to be dealt with. But it also showed that God was gracious and forgiving. And these, all these Old Testament sacrifices were pointing to this future sacrifice that would be for all people and for all time. Remember these wonderful words from the Old Testament. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the old covenant I made with my, their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, that I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people, the house of Israel at that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And so Jesus, as he initiates this new covenant, this new meal, this new way, is fulfilling that Old Testament prophecy. It's interesting that the closing prayer of the Passover, in that it has a sentence. It says, Soon may God bring redemption to all mankind, new ways of understanding, of living and sharing together. 
And the Jews have still not realised that God has brought this to pass in Jesus Christ, in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is now this new agreement, this new covenant, as he called it, based on the blood he shed, a covenant based on love and forgiveness. And that is why we remember around this table, we remember that rather than that release from slavery in Egypt. To help us understand a bit better what the meaning of this was, I just want to look at some of the words that we use for what we do around this table. Some people use the word communion. Communion just means fellowship. Or, and we here we have communion with God and with others. We share communion together as God's people at the church in this place. So that's a good word. Other people use the word the Lord's Supper or the Lord's Table. I actually like that because it, it takes us back to the origin the origin and the meal of that last supper that Jesus had with the disciples. It has us rooted in historical events. And it also reminds us that it's the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, not ours. And so it's interesting that I read the, the First Corinthians passage there because in our Bible, uh, the New Testament is not in sequence. So First Corinthians was one of the first books to be written. And so the new believers there would be hearing, perhaps for the first time, that it was at a supper on the night he was betrayed, that Jesus and disciples, that he initiated this meal of remembrance. So I like that. I would normally refer to it as the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. Other people use the term breaking of bread. In Acts, we read that the early Christians, when they came together on the Lord's day, that's what they did to remember him. They broke bread together. Other places use the word Eucharist, which is a very a general word, a word that just means giving thanks. And that's what we do as we break bread together. Some people use the word sacrament. That word comes from uh, taking an oath of allegiance to someone. And again, it's a valid way of looking at that meal. As long as we don't take it too far, some people do. And they, they say that they can get some benefit from taking the bread and wine, even if we don't have faith. That's not true. There's nothing magical in the bread and the wine. There's no intrinsic value in the bread and the wine. It must be partaken with faith. Others use the word ordinance, which is a command. And Jesus did command us to remember him as we met, meet together. We're commanded, do this in remembrance of me. Whatever word you use, it's always a privilege to gather round the Lord's table. We must never take it for granted. The communion table is for all who wish to have communion and fellowship with Jesus Christ. We all drink together as God's redeemed people. Mark's Gospel tells us, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. A people who are prepared to take the salvation that Jesus has to offer. 
the many throughout the world. Let's just look for a moment at what we actually do around this table. The first thing we do is remember. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So as these disciples were sitting around this table, they'd be thinking about the blood of the lamb that was smeared at the doorposts of their ancestors' home in Egypt, about delivery from slavery and oppression, about freedom, about having their own land. But for us, we must remember too that we were slaves to sin and the consequences of sin. And we must remember that we have been set free and we have the promise of an eternal future with Jesus. We remember that things have now changed. That verse that we started the service with, remember you were separate from Christ. Before you were without hope, without God and no hope. Now you're children of God and you've been brought near. So for us, the blood of Jesus now represents more than just salvation from a single night of terror. Instead, it celebrates eternal salvation. We are to remember. We're all told to recognize. As you can see, they all begin with R. So that means I've stolen someone's outline before because I can never think of words uh, altogether. But this help us Help us to remember, if we remember the R's. So remember, and then recognize. And in the the Corinthian passage, it's put negatively. Anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on themselves. Around this table, we have an encounter with Jesus Christ. We know that we're always in God's presence. All places, all times. Sometimes we're more aware of it than others. But here as we gather around the Lord's table, we need to recognise him again. Just like the people who are on the Emmaus Road, when they walked along with Jesus, he was with them, but they didn't recognise him. But he then took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognize him. And so I think as we eat the bread and drink the wine, we should pray that our eyes are open again, that we recognize that daily we walk with Jesus Christ. Tonight, as we meet here, let's renew our faith as we again recognize Jesus Christ among us. Another hour, we are told to reflect It says there, a man ought to examine himself. We have to take an inventory of our relationship with God as we come to the table. There was a lot of preparation for the Passover. They had to get the unleavened bread, the spices, the fruit, the lamb. The room had to be prepared. They had to get rid of all the yeast because that represented sin. The same way, ours, as we know, our sins were forgiven when we first came to Christ and confessed our sin, trusting in him for salvation that he purchased on the cross. But we continue to sin, don't we? 
And so we must continue to seek forgiveness as we confess our sins to Jesus Christ. We must have a right relationship with God as we come to his table. We must have a right relationship with other people. When Jesus was preaching to the people, he told them this story. He said, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and reconcile to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Although that's referring to sacrifice, I think we can apply it to this table. We should come and have good relationships with God and good relationships with each other. Someone said that drinking in an unworthy manner is when you eat and hate your brother. We do need to keep short accounts with God and with each other. We're also told to recommend. We are to... Proclaim the Lord's death. At our baptism, as we heard last week, we proclaim to the world our identification with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We said, yes, Jesus is my Lord. Here we are reaffirming our continued identification with Christ. It's a witness to a continued relationship with him. Like God's people of old, we are told to continually remember our salvation and to recommend it to others. Just like Paul at the beginning of that passage said, I'm passing on this information to you. It's an instruction about the Lord's table. We are to pass on to others about the salvation that we have received in Jesus Christ. We are to recommend it to others. Just like the Jews were told to tell it to your children. So tonight, as we come before this table, let's remember these four things. We are to remember. Remember what Jesus did for us. To recognize his presence among us. We are to reflect on how our lives are in relation to God and each other. And we are to recommend it to one another. In a moment, we're just going to come to uh, the communion service. Uh, during the singing of the, the first two verses of this hymn, if you come and pick up one of the cups here, if you want to take part in this service tonight, to remember, to recognize, to reflect, to recommend. If you're someone who has faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done for us, and you want to remember him, this is an opportunity to do that. If you don't, just don't take part. It's, uh, it's better you don't take part if you don't trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and perhaps as you watch others, we will recommend it to you. And that perhaps a future date, you may want to come and join with us and do that. Because you have recognized that you need a saviour and you have a saviour. In Jesus Christ. We eat and drink by faith tonight. Let's sing the hymn now, Behold the Lamb. Come to the sacred table, not because you must, but because you may.
Come not to testify that you're righteous, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciple. Come not because you're strong, but because you're weak. Not because you have any claim on heaven's rewards, but because in your frailty and sin, you stand in constant need of heaven's mercy and help. We were told to reflect on our life, and so we'll have a prayer of forgiveness before we come to the table. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that may be hindering our relationship with you. As we take the bread representing your life which was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who will receive you. You died for us. Thank you for your extravagant love and unmerited favour. Thank you that your death gives us life, abundant life now and eternal life forever. In the same way as we take this cup, representing your blood poured out for us, we realise that you were the supreme sacrifice for our sins, our sins past, present and future. Because of your blood shed for us and your body broken for us, we can be free from the power and the penalty of sin. Today we remember and celebrate this precious gift of life you gave us through the blood that was spilled. Amen.